Just an FYI, in case you weren't aware, November is National Family Caregivers Month, a time to honor the estimated 53 million unpaid family caregivers in the U.S. who perform an invaluable labor of love that often comes without a paycheck or any financial compensation. National Family Caregivers Month is about celebrating caregivers, raising awareness of their issues, educating communities, as well as increasing support for caregivers. So in that spirit, we're going to be dedicating this episode of Clear Path, Your Roadmap to Health and Wealth to caregivers in the workplace. I'm your host, Al Waller, and with me is Catherine Collinson, founding CEO and president of nonprofit Transamerica Institute and its Transamerica Center for Retirement Studies to discuss caregivers in the workplace who are balancing their employment side by side, their caregiving responsibilities. But before we get rolling, just a friendly reminder that we'd love to hear from you and learn what topics you'd like us to cover or even to give us feedback on today's show, which you can do simply by dropping either Catherine or me a note at info at transamericainstitute.org. Well, Catherine, as always, I'm interested in your team's research and insights and practical tips, especially today as we focus on family caregivers and what more can be done to help support them. Al, let's start by honoring former First Lady Rosalind Carter, who is renowned for her outstanding advocacy and supportive caregivers. She once famously said, and I quote, there are only four kinds of people in the world, those who have been caregivers, those who are currently caregivers, those who will be caregivers, and those who will need caregivers especially now as the baby boomer generation is growing older and the cost of long-term care is skyrocketing, millions and millions of Americans, especially adult children, are being called upon to provide care for an aging parent or loved one. Exactly. Now, your, your team has conducted a ton of research on people in the workforce, including those who are juggling caregiving with their employment-related responsibilities. So what did your research uncover? First of all, caregiving is a responsibility that is widely shared across socioeconomic and demographic segments of our society. It's something we all share in common. Caregiving is an everyone responsibility. And Al, we need to do some myth busting. There's this long-standing societal perception, or more specifically, societal misperception, that caregivers are typically middle-aged women. This is simply not the case. According to our research, caregiving responsibilities are prevalent among workers across generations, age ranges, and between women and men. Our most recent survey found that 36% of workers are either currently serving or have served as a caregiver for a relative or friend in the past. That's more than one third of workers. And in this survey, we did see that women are more likely than men to be caregivers, but there's also still a high percentage of men. Specifically, 41% of women are caregivers compared with 33% of men. Looking across generations, millennials were the most likely to self-identify as caregivers at 40%, 40% of millennial workers. And they are followed by Generation X, 36%, Gen Z, 35%, and baby boomers at 30%. 
Well, Catherine, got to say, I find that fairly surprising. I mean, I was expecting that, you know, baby boomers would be ranked right at the top as uh, the most likely to be caregivers. Now, what more can you tell us about this area? See, that's a really interesting perception and question. And I'm going to start my answer to it by touching on millennials. The oldest of the millennial generation are now in their 40s and well into their sandwich years, which involve their careers, raising families, and caregiving. Regarding baby boomers, given their age, and the oldest boomers are now in their late 70s, many have already retired, so they're no longer workers, and some actually retired as a result of their caregiving duties. Further, as we look across generations, we see an interesting difference in terms of who they're caring for. Gen Z, who are the youngest generation in the workforce, are more likely to be caring for a grandparent, whereas the older generations are more likely to be caring for a parent. Well, speaking from personal experience, uh, I, along with my sibs, had to step up when both of my parents uh, hit the proverbial wall about eight years ago because on the heels of our dad's diagnosis with pancreatic cancer, my mother took a spill and broke her hip. The old expression, when it rains, it pours, was definitely apropos. But you know, that said, we were, you know, we were the fortunate ones to have the financial resources, medical coverage, and, and each other to weather these challenges. However, though, in my professional experience as an HR executive, I've witnessed firsthand how disruptive caregiving responsibilities can be to both workers and their employers. It's you know, just incredibly draining and, and stressful for workers attempting to balance you know, both their job responsibilities with the caregiving. And on the flip side, employers you know, have their own issues. You know, they're confronted with productivity levels being met, morale, and, and employee retention for that matter. Al, you have certainly spelled out the situation. And I also just want to take a moment and thank you for sharing your own story. And I know it must have been a tremendously difficult time for you and, and especially your parents with their health issues and your siblings, but how inspiring how your family came together. And while your story is unique to your situation, it is these types of stories are all too common and are becoming even more common, uh, especially with the aging of the population. And we've talked about it. More and more individuals and families are going to find themselves as caregivers. And to your point in the workplace, oh my gosh, caregiving is, of course, challenging for caregivers and managing that work-life balance. Of the caregiving workers in the survey, almost nine in 10 made one or more adjustments to their employment situation as a result of becoming a caregiver. Something had to give. The most common adjustments are missing days of work or maybe reducing hours. Some workers took a leave of absence and in extreme cases, some quit a job altogether. My huge concern with this is any adjustments that workers are making to their employment as a result of caregiving could have repercussions for their own current pay and future pay, thereby inhibiting their ability to save for their own future retirement. I think you're spot on there, Catherine, because, you know, just listening to you, um, taking time away from work um, and supporting your parents is something that we all want to be able to do. Uh, I've called upon to do that. But at the same time, 
you know, we do have to think uh, about our future and, you know, the retirement um, implications that uh, could come from there. So it's, it's, uh, it's a challenging uh, situation, no doubt about that. So then based on your team's research on employers, what steps are they taking to support their caregiving workers? Al, our most recent survey of employers yielded some encouraging news. Employers, especially larger companies, are starting to recognize the issue, step up, and offer best practices. There's still a lot of room for growth, but it's exciting to see employers are starting to step up. And I think we'll see even more of that in the future. And I just want to give you a few examples. The most often cited employer support is an unpaid leave of absence offered by 40% of employers. 37% of employers offer paid leave. Almost one in four employers offer online resources and tools for caregivers, and almost one in four offer an employee assistance program with counseling and referral services. One in five employers provide a benefit that offers discounts and subsidies for backup care. Backup care refers to a paid caregiver, in-home care, or adult day care. I just need to reiterate that larger companies are more likely to be providing these benefits compared with small businesses, even though some small businesses do too. But I think this is really important for our job-seeking listeners to know so they can take this into consideration when looking at prospective employers. That's a great point. And as I've noted previously, one of the few silver linings to evolve from the pandemic was the recognition that remote or hybrid working, depending upon the circumstances, of course, could be a viable and successful working alternative. Now, what about training for managers? I mean, in my experience, a, a lot of managers were unaware of caregivers and well, they lack the know-how or capacity to effectively manage these uh, types of scenarios. Al, as you and I know, managers make all the difference in the world for their caregiving employees and all their employees. Unfortunately, our employer survey found that just 21% of employers are offering training to managers to support caregiving employees. So this is an example of a best practice that I am hoping employers will jump onto and implement. As we know, company leaders can be so helpful by offering a compassionate work environment, which is so important with caregivers because caregiving can be draining physically, mentally, and emotionally. And a supportive work environment not only makes it easier for caregivers, it makes it easier for everyone and generates goodwill among all employees. I'd also like to highlight managers can help raise awareness about the company's policies and employee benefits and point their employees in the direction of the HR department when it's needed. Yeah, I'm really glad you addressed the critical need for a supportive work environment, Catherine. I mean, let's face it, life is tough enough as it is, right? And in my experience, I've also found that it's absolutely vital for company leaders and managers to promote their EAPs or employee assistance programs and other caregiving related programs to ensure that everyone is aware of the available benefits. And as an aside, over the years, I've also found that caregiving is not something typically top of mind for many people until, of course, uh, they become that caregiver. Now, Catherine, I know you and your team have been focusing on caregivers for quite a while. So what gives you hope or at least some form of optimism, you know, for us going forward? 
Uh, as you know, I am an optimist through and through. I recently heard an expression that I have fully embraced, and that is progress happens in strange ways. One such example is the rapid transformation of the workforce at the onset of the pandemic, when literally overnight, we had flexible work arrangements and remote work offerings. And there's a lot of concern that these might be going away now that the pandemic, thankfully, is behind us. And we see lots of headlines about that. Our employer survey findings, however, are showing that many of these new work arrangements brought about the pandemic are actually here to stay. Bear with me as I go through some numbers. Almost 6 in 10 employers now offer flexible schedules. 44% say they offer hybrid work arrangements. And 36% of employers offer the ability to work exclusively remotely. This new way of working is creating a more inclusive workforce, especially for caregivers who need this flexibility and might otherwise be unavailable to work. Well, you're absolutely right. Uh, as I you know, also alluded to earlier, the combination of flexible work arrangements, remote working, and other technology innovations have created, you know, just such a much more inclusive workforce, uh, you know, opportunities for caregivers as well as, well, when you think about it, I mean, stay-home parents, uh, older people, individuals with, uh, you know, lacking transportation or, you know, those with uh, underlying health conditions or disabilities. Uh, you know, I guess the bottom line here is this type of flexibility is just a huge net positive. Well, Catherine, as we wrap things up today, what final tips would you like to impart to our caregiving listeners? Okay, Al, I would like to share five tips with our listeners. The first tip, if you are employed, find out what types of programs your employer offers to caregiving employees. Employers are doing more and more these days, so do your homework and find out. Tip number two, Protect your own health and well-being. Caregiving can take a tremendous toll, so it's especially important to eat healthy, get plenty of sleep, manage stress, stay on top of your own routine checkups and screenings, and be sure to seek mental health care when needed. Tip number three, ask for help and accept help from family and friends. This is hard for a lot of people, but enlisting the help of others can help ease the burden and help you avoid potential burnout. Tip number four, learn about the FMLA, which is the Family and Medical Leave Act, which is a federal law that requires covered employers to provide their employees with protected unpaid leave for qualified medical and family reasons. The fifth and final tip, explore programs that provide financial assistance to caregivers. If the care recipient has long-term care insurance, check whether the coverage may pay for a family caregiver versus a hired caregiver. Also, check your state's Medicaid office for any programs they may have available. And lastly, if you're incurring a lot of expenses on behalf of the care recipient, check to see if you might be able to claim them as a dependent on your tax return. Well, that's some great counsel, uh, Catherine. And, you know, I just, you know, just for to add the emphasis, I think you know, it can't be underscored enough. 
got to protect your own health and well-being because, you know, if you're not well, you're not going to be able to support those people that are in need. So, you know, by all means, don't look past that. And look, raise your hand. Yeah, I think people in general, and I'm sort of an optimist uh, too, I, I think people are basically good and want to feel like they can help if they're able to. So don't hesitate to reach out to people saying, hey, you know, whether it be a sibling or a friend, you know, if you're um, drowning with uh, something like this, don't be afraid to do that. Uh, I think people you know, may surprise you. Well, before we sign off, where can our listeners go to learn more about your research as well as other caregiving-related resources? Please visit our website at transamericainstitute.org. And I'll also highlight some other organizations that offer terrific resources for caregivers. The first being your employer, if they offer resources. There's also the Caregiver Action Network, USA.gov, the National Alliance for Caregiving, AARP, and WISER, the Women's Institute for a Secure Retirement. All of these organizations have an online presence with tools and resources. Lastly, and of great importance, I'd like to highlight the outstanding work of the Rosalind Carter Institute for Caregivers. On a final note, I want to remind all of our listeners to protect your PII, your personally identifying information, and the PII of those you are caring for. When you are out there on the web or looking for possible sources, ensure they're reputable. Do your due diligence. Of course, beware of suspicious websites, links, emails, phone calls, or any type of request for your personal information. Sadly, like so many aspects of our lives, scammers are focusing on caregivers, and it's on the rise. I'll second that one. Uh, keep your guard up. It's an important note to mention and can't be emphasized enough. Well, Catherine, again, many thanks to you as well as your team for today's research and insights. Also, to our listeners, if you have ideas for future episodes, comments, or feedback, please email Catherine or me at info at transamericainstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you won't miss upcoming episodes. Until the next time, I'm your host, Al Waller. Stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening. Clear Path, Your Roadmap to Health and Wealth is brought to you by Transamerica Institute, a nonprofit private foundation dedicated to identifying, researching, and educating the public about retirement security and the intersections of health and financial well-being. You can find our weekly podcast on WIPR's website and mobile app, wherever you get your podcasts, and at transamericainstitute.org forward slash podcast. Clear Path, Your Roadmap to Health and Wealth is produced by the Transamerica Institute with assistance from WIPR. The information provided here is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as insurance, securities, ERISA, tax, investment, legal, medical, or financial advice or guidance. 